Hour number two, Darren, Donnie, and Chase on this Wednesday morning, ESPN 1025 The Game. Don't forget, this hour, remember, all week this week and next week, this hour of our show during that time frame, the 7 o'clock hour of morning drive and the 3 o'clock hour in the afternoon show, your chances to qualify for our grand prize, the big trip, you know, the one that includes round-trip airfare to Dallas, hotel accommodations to Dallas, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner at American Airlines Center on New Year's Eve, a pair of tickets to the Winter Classic to see the Predators and the Stars. By the way, the Stars unveiled their jersey today. We'll get into that a little bit later. On New Year's Day at the Cotton Bowl, those prizes here, uh, prizes are courtesy of Outback Presents. For more details, visit thegamenashville.com. So this hour, you will hear a Predators player give you the cue to call. Call in at 737-1025, identify that Predators player, and you will be qualified. That's the key word, qualified for that incredible trip. Our next guest, I would say, is not eligible, but you know what? If he calls in, we'll make him eligible. Tom Hart. I'm not eligible, and, and there's a lot of things I'm not qualified. Let's just get that <laughs> That's a pretty cool trip, by the way. We're looking forward to it. We've never been to the Winter Classic. There's going to be 80,000, 90,000 fans on New Year's Day to see the Predators and the Stars, and we're going to take it in on New Year's I Day. I love it. I wish, I wish that event was in a different spot on the calendar. I feel like it gets overshadowed with football that time of year. I think it's so cool that it's un, it's underappreciated. I mean, I know why it's where it is, it, where it is on the calendar, um, but man, I'm, it takes a lot for me to flip away from football, and I always go to that game for at least a period just to see everything around around it. Yep, yep, no doubt. Uh, and basketball has, and I know you did a basketball game last night. We were actually talking the last segment of the last hour. College basketball is now. Underway. I know they've tried some stuff on battleships and stuff like that to kind of get people's interest early at the beginning of a season. Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, I don't think people really grasp the idea that it, it's hard to play basketball on a boat. <laughs> you know, like the Isn't boat it? moves. Number one. Number two. You're outdoors. There's always going to be some sort of condensation because you know you're sitting in a body of water. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason those series didn't continue. Not the best. I mean, it looked really cool on TV. Practicality, not the best idea. Yeah, there's a wind factor, too, that kind of plays into it, you know. All always, of those things. Always blame you TV guys. It's all those ideas on the TV guys. Lots of elements in of, play. We're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> uh, by the way, real quick, uh, you did the Auburn game last night, right? Kind of a scary game for them. They didn't cruise to the victory over Georgia Southern. Yeah, Bruce Pearl kind of expected it. Um, Georgia Southern's pretty good. They're, they're a really good matchup from Georgia Southern's perspective because they got a couple six-year seniors and they're they're athletic, um, and they even surprised me with some of their plays. Um, but Auburn, like a lot of teams, get to the beginning of a year, you've got new faces in new places, or you've got old faces in new places, and it really does take a little while to kind of get your footing. Uh, they'll be fine. They'll be a really good team. They'll be a top 25 team. They have potential to be a top 10 team, I think, if they stay healthy. Um, but, it, you know, they'll have some bumps along the way. And that's due to the college basketball season. Huge sample size. You can struggle in a month or two and get going late. And Auburn was the only team in the country uh, that was undefeated in the month of March last year. It was an incredible run. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, so before we get into some of the matchups, I know you've got Tennessee and Kentucky this weekend, uh, the first rankings came out. Of course, you know two and three are going to play each other this weekend. Uh, what what did you make of the top four? What did you make of Clemson being left out? And how about Georgia right there, just lurking too? So I mean, three SEC teams right in the mix. 
Yeah, the Georgia thing is the most fascinating to me. Um, I wasn't surprised by the top four. Um, I, I think Penn State is deserving of being in that top four right now. And they're just as deserving as Clemson is not, and with all due respect, the fact that they have the longest winning streak in college football is irrelevant because the only thing that matters is the games you played this season. And I think those top four teams, you could put them all in a hat and you could pull anyone out, put them in any order, and they would all be deserving. I do think Ohio State and LSU to this point are a little bit more deserving. Um, Ohio State based on their dominance, LSU based on their wins. Um, and Penn State has a wildly impressive resume given their strength of schedule and their strength of record. Now, that'll kind of take care of itself when they meet Ohio State. Uh, this weekend we'll learn more about LSU and Alabama, obviously. Um, but the interesting thing to me about Georgia is they played against Florida like a team that could win the SEC championship game. And they hadn't looked like that all season long. Maybe against Notre Dame, but we've since learned that Notre Dame isn't that great anyway. Um, and so I just talked up the, the West winner to an automatic victory in Atlanta. Now, if Georgia can build on that, if they can get more production from the wide receivers, if Jake Fromm can play like that, especially on third down, they can be a threat to either Alabama or LSU in the championship game. And it will get really wild and crazy if they hand the West winner their only mm. loss and Georgia doesn't lose again the rest of the season. Because, A, how do you keep the SEC champ out of the playoff, that that won't ever happen in our lifetimes, as far as I'm concerned. And then B, how do you keep either Alabama or LSU out with one loss, especially if it's a close loss to Georgia? You know, how could you put another one-loss team from another conference in there? And you could also make a point that at that at that stage, they could have a better resume than an undefeated Clemson would. So the beauty of it is, it gives you guys a lot of talking points to fill the hours on air. And it's generally irrelevant at this point of the season because, as we all know, it's going to change a multitude of times before we get to December. But, boy, wouldn't that be fun. So Alabama beats LSU by a field goal, okay? Crazy game. Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, as you just alluded to, in a close game. All three of them have the one loss. How in the world do you figure out who gets in of those three? I mean – isn't well, that crazy? To me, it's perfect because you know what it means to me? We're going to eight. <laughs> you know, not this year. Yeah, that's we're right. We're going to eight. Because <laughs> you think Greg Sankey's going to have a one-loss reserving team left out of the playoff and sits there and he watches a Pac-12 team backdoor their way in? Or, or you know, the Big Ten would have the same argument because Ohio State and Penn State, if they play a close game and they dominate whoever they play in the Big Ten title game, I mean, those two teams are – really, really good right now, Ohio State and Penn State. And, um, and they've got a great resume. So, yeah, man, I, I, I hope we get to a point where we take a step closer to eight and we get more and more football. Tom Hart is with us from ESPN. He's on the call for Tennessee and Kentucky. And, Tom, uh, there every now and then there's a team that looks dead in the water, going nowhere. Everybody's howling about the coach, and then all of a sudden it looks completely different a few weeks later. I can remember LSU was sort of in that situation a couple of years ago. It looks like Tennessee has really righted the ship here, and if you look ahead, they've got great opportunities if they can keep playing the way they're playing. 100%. And, and listen, it's amazing. And it's, uh, the, all the arrows that Jeremy Pruitt took 
and I would say that they were deserving. I mean, think about what a dumpster fire Tennessee was week one, right? They lose as 25-point favorites to a coach that South Carolina discarded, um, a, a team that plays in a baseball stadium. They lost on the day that a boat sunk into the Tennessee River and a band member passed out and got marched over at midfield. I mean, if there wasn't a sign that it was going to be a long year, pick, pick one from that game. The BYU game arguably was worse because you think you get a wake-up call against Georgia State, and it wasn't just that they lost those games. They looked completely lost. I mean, it looked like they had personnel, didn't know where they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and I thought they showed glimpses in the game at Florida, and then finally, like, think about this. Year two coaches, after week one, or even going into the season, who would you have picked to stick at their school longer? Pruitt, Chad Morris, or Joe Moorhead. And now all of a sudden, Jeremy Pruitt has elevated his team, and they've, they've gotten healthy, they've gotten guys back, and that's key. And he's had to work his way around this quagmire quarterback that nobody else has had to deal with. I mean, listen, other teams have had injuries, and other teams have had to turn to second- and third-string quarterbacks. Look at Kentucky, for example. I mean, they're making uh, chicken salad out of chicken and other stuff, and they've been great with it. But nobody has had their previous starting quarterback who then got benched return to a game and go rogue when you have a chance for a signature victory. Like, talk about managing people. How do you coach your way back from what Jarek Gantano did on the goal line and then get him back in his position? So he deserves a ton of credit. The game Saturday night is a winnable game for Tennessee. I think both teams are evenly matched. It should be a slugfest. Kelly Bryant's hurt from Missouri. They're a totally different team without him. They got that game after a bye week, you know, the week before Thanksgiving. And bless their hearts, Vandy can't get out of their own way. That is a hot mess right now. So, yeah, this looks like it's, it's starting to shape up like a, a late-season run for Jeremy Pruitt. And, and what a boost that would be, not just to the program, but to the fan base that's, that's looking for something to get excited about before they turn to basketball. Well, let's talk about the chicken salad for Kentucky. If if people maybe are following Tennessee or, or other teams and they have not seen Kentucky play in a few weeks, how have they tried to manage through some of the issues that they had earlier in the season, especially with the injuries? Well, so they're down to essentially their fifth-string quarterback. I mean, they had their third-string quarterback got hurt in camp, a fresh, freshman loss for the year. Their starter got hurt like week two or week three. He was a guy that led them to 10 wins last season. And that was the best season in Kentucky history that included getting their tails kicked at Neyland Stadium. So that is definitely on their mind. And then um, then the guy would have been their third-string quarterback, Sawyer Smith, or the second string. He had a shoulder and a, and a leg and a back. I mean, he was like that old lady that fell down in the commercial. You know, she's falling and she can't get up. Um, he just can't get healthy. So they put Lynn Bowden, a wide receiver back there, who played quarterback in high school, and he has been incredible. Um, he's rushing for 200 yards a game. Nobody can stop him. They know exactly what he's doing. They still can't stop him. And he's durable. He, he can take some hits. So that's where they are, and he is capable of running the offense. Now, they've played – their last couple of games have been in driving rainstorms, both at night against Missouri and then in the afternoon against Georgia. So his passing numbers look not awful. Um, but that's more, I think, a concept of the weather. He, he throws a nice deep ball. He said he's a deep ball threat, and that's really all they need with a capable tight end to keep the defense honest with the intermediate stuff. 
and and he can slice and dice, and that's what he's been able to do. Tennessee fans will remember wide receiver Matt Roark leading Kentucky to a win years ago. Well, that was a 10-7 game or 10-3 or something. Like, Roark got carried off the field, and, and congratulations, like, that was big, but it's not like he was a difference maker in the game. He was more of a placeholder. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. is a difference maker. He, he may be the MVP in the SEC this year. That's how good he has been given these circumstances. Tom Hart from the SEC Network is here with us, and you uh, mentioned Vanderbilt earlier, and I know you work alongside Jordan Rogers, who, uh, of course, former quarterback at Vanderbilt, and we talk to Derek Mason every week. I mean, you, you said it best that there are times they can't get out of their own way. They've had a revolving door at quarterback due to injuries or poor play. How do you see this this turning out for Derek Mason and the Commodores when the season is over? Well, if you're just to judge the program based on what happened Saturday night at South Carolina, and we were there, and based on specifically the body language on the sideline, it looks like all is lost. And, and that is, to be fair, that is just one snapshot. That is only a three-hour snapshot. And maybe we were dead wrong in what we we're seeing. But the fact that your three best players were either ticked off or uninvolved. And these are guys that came back to get to the next level. I, I don't, I still don't know why Lipscomb didn't play and, and we weren't aware of it until he didn't see the field. Um, you still haven't found a way to dial up a, a play to get the ball into your tight end's hands, which is seemingly pretty simple. And Keyshawn Vaughn, he was just ticked off the whole game. And, and I don't know why, and I don't know if that's, you know, I'm not there every day. I don't know if that's something that's been bubbling underneath the surface, but um, there's the three guys that came back to improve their stock for the NFL. And while Keyshawn Vaughn is proven to be a capable physical runner, the other two have done nothing. If I were running a franchise, they've done nothing for me to say, well, I want to invest in that guy. And I'll give, I'll give Pinkney the benefit of the doubt because they, they haven't been able to get him the ball um, but otherwise, it has just been a total disaster. For Florida, Vanderbilt's opponent, uh, they're coming off the loss to Georgia in the cocktail party, but do you think with Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask as a, as a tandem, do you think Trask is going to be the answer for them uh, long-term? Dan Mullen always wants a willing runner at quarterback, and Trask has been willing to run. Um, but he's been, and, and this goes back to when he was at Utah and he had Alex Smith. I mean, there, there were times where they put Alex Smith, who was the number one overall pick in the draft, in a triple option look. They didn't do it much, but they did it enough to say, hey, listen, this guy will carry the ball. But Mullen's offenses have always been at their best when he's had more than a willing running back, a quarterback, a, a quarterback that was good at running and looked to run and knew how to run. And, and I really thought, Emory Jones was going to be that guy, but for a variety of reasons, that hasn't taken off this year. Um, so Trask is, he can manage that offense, um, but it won't ever reach its full potential until you get a guy back there who can, who can be a threat and spread the defense out more. Tom, we appreciate the visit as always. <clears throat> Enjoy the game as I get choked up. Enjoy the you game. Listen, it, you? it happens. You're only human. It, people get emotional around me. I mean, so I don't appreciate <laughs> weddings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that is Tom Hart. I did get choked up. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, he's got Tennessee and Kentucky. That is a 6:30 kickoff. SEC Network. 
on uh, Saturday evening. Tennessee, right now, that game is a pick 'em. What I'm seeing, uh, that is, yeah, yep, that's a pick 'em. So Tennessee looking to uh, secure their first road victory. Florida, twenty six point favorite over Vandy. Yeah, we kind of figured after the news yesterday about their quarterback situation that that line was going to go up, and it'll probably, it may even go up. Not exactly glowing words about the Vanderbilt football mm. team there from Tom Hart. We'll come back, discuss some of what you just heard on the other side. Darren Donnie can chase ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Hey, Preds fans, don't forget Smashville Live tonight. Special guest, former captain, Mike Fisher. Cool Springs is the place. Brewhouse South, right next to the Galleria. That'll be from 7 until 8 o'clock. Afternoon show will be out there doing their show live. Preds Insiders. I'll Ryan be doing that Porth. with Ryan. And Chase will be there from 6 until 7. So that is six hours of live programming at Brewhouse South there in Cool Springs. And, of course, Mike Fisher is the very, very special guest. You'll also have an opportunity to get an autograph, take a picture with him, and uh, win some tickets to an upcoming home game. Uh, this week's Smashville Live is brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Yeehaw Beer and Red Spirits wine a lot of you get out there today it's a cool show should be a lot of fun uh not uh exactly a ringing endorsement when talking about vanderbilt from tom hart who did their game in columbia south carolina last saturday night with jordan rogers and something that jumped out to me in that interview is just talking about the body language Mm -hmm. of the players and i suspect without knowing because i i watch enough of these broadcasts, and I've talked to Jordan Rogers enough. I suspect he's probably getting a lot of that from Jordan Rogers because Jordan Rogers, I think, does a really good job in the booth, and he's a former player, and he sees a lot of things that maybe the three of us or people out there listening don't see. And my guess is Tom's getting that from Jordan. Like Jordan's seeing certain body language on the sidelines that he doesn't like. I would, I would put it this way: I watched the game, and I, so I listened to their broadcast. From Tom Hart's perspective, you're a play-by-play guy. Vanderbilt is hanging around in the game. It's a 14-7 game for a long time. But you just got the sense that their offense wasn't going to be able to score. Like, you could keep playing the game until midnight, and they just weren't going to be able to drive the ball unless South Carolina allowed Keyshawn Vaughn to have one of his home-run plays. Um, so I think that's frustrating as a broadcast crew. I... I speak from experience. Like, you're, you're rooting for a good game. So I can see how maybe you get frustrated that Vanderbilt hadn't been able to do anything to really spice up the game. So, that being said, I thought the body language is a fair criticism of the offense. The defense, I would say, to their credit, kept playing hard. They had a couple of great stops on fourth and one. They kept playing all the way to the end. I think the body language was excellent for the Vanderbilt defense. Now, the offense is a totally different story. The offense right now well, and that's the problem. is demoralizing. Well, I, think that's, I was going to say, that's what I think it's that's all directed why they've won two games. Right, but I'm saying, I'm, let's give credit where credit is due. That young defense, which will all be back next year for the most part, that was awful early in the season, couldn't stop anybody, Nope, is, is improving a lot. But the offense, and they're on their third-string quarterback. Okay, it was very demoralizing 
to A, not have Mo Hassan respond through the concussion. We know concussions are hard. You don't know when a guy's coming back. If you saw the hit he took, it was a terrible, it was an awful, dirty hit. And he hasn't been able to come back. So you don't have him. You have Riley Neal, who leads them to a touchdown on the first drive. Great drive. Then he goes out with a concussion. And obviously, Deuce Wallace, by this time, they just can't find any answers. So you have, that's demoralizing. Number two, I, I don't know what the interior thoughts are. This is maybe where Jordan Rodgers probably has some insight. But the offensive game plans, the, the, the way of trying to go about making it happen, it's just not happening. I, well, I, it, the frustration has to be there for Pinckney. I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn continues to play hard and run hard. He's done, I think, an excellent job in the middle of all of this. Uh, he's by far stuff. the MVP on offense. Well, yeah, he's the best player <laughs> they've had in a long, long time. What's the deal with Kalijah Lipscomb? What's the deal? I That is a mystery to me, the whole personal issue. And Tom Hart didn't seem to have heard the press conference after where Derek Mason has said he had personal issues. Now, yeah. I, that could well, mean he said so it with many us different. yesterday. And that he yeah. expects him to play. But during the broadcast, that was not made – apparent yeah. to the broadcasters so they right. they were sitting over there on the on the broadcast crew and that's frustrating too not knowing why Kalaja Lipscomb is standing there and not playing uh so that probably fed into his body language thing but it's a it's a mess right, right. it's a it's offensively it's very very frustrating to watch because you would like to think even with your third string quarterback who supposedly was right in the race to be your starter Right, all, all yeah. summer long. Hey, maybe maybe Deuce Wallace is right there. He's good enough. Uh, I I don't know if all of a sudden he's just not as good as they thought. There's obviously no matter well, who's back there a big, a big big drop off uh, from Kyle Shermer. But in this day and age of college football, I would think with the skill players that they have, you find ways, creative ways to get people the ball in space and let them do their thing. It has been really really tough to watch. Well, and here's my question, and Max, if you want to weigh in on this, because uh, I brought it up with. Derek Mason yesterday about how that first drive okay the the opening drives look good those plays are all scripted so when they have the script that everything seems to to run smoothly it's adjusting throughout the game that they have been struggling with I don't know if that's the personnel if that's Jerry Godowski like what what that is exactly where they're having that problem I understand it's tough when you keep rotating quarterbacks because of injury when you you know you think you're going to have one guy for the whole game and then he gets knocked out so I can understand that that's that's a part of the issue, but if they're, if the script seems to work, then why can't everything else? Because generally you build off the script. So I, I don't – Max, I don't know what yeah, your well, thoughts let's, are. Let's, but. let's bring Max into this because you know he's watching closely every week. So, Max, offensively, why, why, what's your theory as to why they have not been able to do a little bit better when you have the three weapons that we all know, we, we've seen them do it in the SEC? Yeah, I'm I'm with Chase on this one. What they did on that first drive, and again, you're forced and you to change. You get credit for that because you you brought that up originally. You are forced to change quarterbacks after that drive. Yes, that changes something, but it shouldn't change everything. On that first drive, on the touchdown drive that put Vandy head seven nothing, seventy seven yard touchdown drive, ends with the thirty plus yard pass to Cam Johnson. We saw so much from them. We saw new stuff. It was obviously very scripted, 
but it was cool packages and it all worked. We saw double tight sets. We saw trips left. We saw shotgun sets. We saw shotgun four wide. We saw shotgun with the split backs with Keon Brooks, Keyshawn Vaughn in there together. We even saw Javion Marlowe, who's finally back from injury. He got a fake handoff out of a pistol play. That was all on one drive. And then when they change quarterbacks, they move it down the field on that first drive. Then the weirdest non-fake punt on the planet, trying to draw them off sides on what would have had to be a three-yard sneak. And that was when it all changed. Mm, And and then after that, there's no more creativity. Both interceptions were on passes intended to James Bostick, who's filling in for Kalijah Lipscomb. But, I mean, he's not one of their elite ball skill guys. So I, I think after the first drive, their priorities just changed totally. And that answer that Coach Mason had yesterday here... Maybe they should go back to the script. Let, let me ask you this, Max. When do you think they knew that Kalijah Lipscomb was not going to play? We know for sure. He warmed up. They thought there was a chance he was going to play. He warmed so, up and so then... The personal issues thing is still murky. Have we figured out any well, he was in Well, he was in that? full uniform but did not right. have his helmet on the sideline. Derek Mason said on the Vandy Coaches Show Monday night this week with Joe Fisher that he warmed up for the game. And that if they knew he wasn't going to play, he wasn't going to travel for the game at all. So he warmed up, and then they decided that he wasn't going to play. And so, so we, the we don't know. Issue thing is a catch-all thing. Apparently, not really wanting to say what. But it, it is. they said it's not an injury and it's not a suspension. But it was something that needed to be a game time decision for whatever reason. Let me find the quote here. That's just so Monday weird. Night. Very murky. That, why would you warm up? Very murky. And then so, leave him in uniform. The quote from, from the Vandy Coaches Show Monday night. Kalijah, this is from Derek Mason. Kalijah's fine in terms of getting past what he was dealing with. We talked yesterday, meaning Sunday after they returned. He had some personal issues during the week. It was nothing where he was in trouble. He was just dealing with some personal things. Then later on in the interview, he said, That happens. Young people go through issues at times. You help them get to the other side. If Kalijah wasn't working through it or if he was... If Kalaja wasn't working through it or not already, I wouldn't have taken him on the trip. And he also mentioned wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead had a role in all of this in terms of helping Kalaja Lipscomb get back from whatever the issue is. So yeah. why yeah, let yeah, him he warm up? up and, yeah, but yeah, he warms up. Doesn't yeah. play. So that's that's interesting. So and that I think leads to the body language because presumably Lipscomb warms up, he thinks he's going to play. I, I would say it would be the conclusion to jump to there. And I think what Tom was talking about are all the things that were caught on camera, specifically Lipscomb with the towel basically covering his entire head on the sideline by himself, right? which is not a good look. And then also... And they kept showing him over yeah. and over because it's a big story. Yeah. yeah. Game. And yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn had a couple of times where Derek Mason, I mean, Coach Mason had to put his back to the field to speak to Keyshawn Vaughn. And one of those was before the end of the first half when Vandy could have moved chose not to, ended up handing it to Vaughn, taking a personal foul penalty, and Javon Kinlaw is basically standing over Vaughn while he's on the ground. So he's not happy. I've got one more question for for you, Max, and then you guys weigh in on this. Because in the Vanderbilt world, which is not as big a world as the Georgia football world, the Tennessee football world, but in that world last year, Andy Ludwig took a lot of criticism, a lot of Mm -hmm. criticism. And they lost a lot of close games, and there were some play calls that got second-guessed and things like that. I made the, I put the tweet out there at the end of the game just watching. I think we all miss we, – we realize how good Kyle Shermer is. Can you say the same thing about Andy Ludwig? 
right now. Mm-hmm. Well, well, he may not be the greatest offensive coordinator, but there has been a drop-off in game plans, in effectiveness. Fair or unfair? I'm going to say no. I'm going to disagree with you on that really? one. Really? I haven't watched a lot of Utah football this year, so I don't have the full story on that one. But the thing that Coach Mason has stressed this week, and I am guilty of this, doing what he is saying, some people do that they should not do. I've been one of the people who says Derek Mason is probably not as involved in the offensive game plan as the head coaches he competes with because he not only has a defensive background, which of course many other head coaches in the SEC do, but because he had both jobs at once very recently. But he has said a couple of times this week, I've heard it a couple of times in different interviews, saying, my fingerprints are on the offense. I am involved in the offense. And he's both taking responsibility for that and saying, I'm going to be with them even more. I am going to try and fix this. So I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but I I will indirectly disagree with you, Willie, I guess. Well, the biggest thing for me is the quarterback situation is way bigger of a mess yeah. than we ever thought. Well, I I was Huge. just over the at, drop off from Shermer to these guys is, is, is way bigger. Than I don't even thought. know. I don't yeah. know if I should say cliff, but it's I, a, I would say cliff. It's a high dive, okay, at yeah. the pool. It's it's one of those big high dives that Platform? I would ju- yeah that I would not jump off of. <laughs> there's quite. I mean that. There's a huge difference between Shermer and these guys. I was over at practice this morning, uh, interviewed linebacker Elijah McAllister, which will be on the Anchor Down podcast tomorrow, which is now on iTunes. So check out the Anchor Down podcast and subscribe while you're there. But good interview with Elijah McAllister, and he kind of agrees with what you guys said. The defense is feeling good right now. So I think he's going to be a superstar. Big body, lanky, 6'6", 260-pound outside backer, number 41, Zach Cunningham 2.0 in a way. Hmm. So, and he said I was uh, far from the first person to mention that to him. So, uh, the defense is positive, but the one thing that I did learn at practice, Riley Neal was not participating, but he was out there. So that presumably means that he has cleared concussion protocol. All right. We will come back more of Darren Donick and Chase. Remember Tim Hasselbeck coming up at high noon. More on the other side. ESPN 1025 the game. Well, we were just talking about Vanderbilt and some of their woes. Their former wide receiver, Jordan Matthews, has reportedly just signed with the Eagles. Deshaun Jackson is out for the year. And I don't know. I've lost count of the stint this is with Jordan Matthews and the Eagles. It seems like that's the one team he can make work. It's definitely three. The question is, is is there another one that we missed somewhere? (laughs) Has he been on a team this year? I don't don't think so. so. Just staying in shape, hoping for a call and gets the call? I think so. Good for him. I don't think he made it. Don't think he made the 53 out of camp. So it looks like he is back with the Eagles again where he has thrived. He's he's done well in their system. So I wanted to pass that along. I said earlier, because this is the hour for your chance to qualify, that um, the Stars unveiled their jersey, and it is out. Predators did it Saturday morning before their game against the Rangers. Dallas coming off their big win last night over the Avalanche. That's next up for the Predators tomorrow night. 8 o'clock puck drop, pregame at 7. But the Stars unveiled theirs, and I like I like both teams' I like jerseys. Em. I like them. I think it's going to look great on TV. Green helmets, simple green and white look, which I think is a real good clean look. And the pants look kind of gray. I can't tell if it's the lighting or if they're actually gray, but I like I like the look. I think it's it's clean. I love it. 
Preds, very clean, sharp. So I think they'll they'll look good out there on the Cotton Bowl ice. That is going to be one heck of a sporting event. Is that I'm telling a, you? Is that a dirty white or is that a gray? I don't know. I can't tell. I, I can't tell can't if it's really. the. It's got the, the front lighting. has a big gigantic D, and then it's got and that stands for Dallas, not Darren. Yeah, I mean, I you know it depends on who you talk to. Um, the pants do look gray though; they look a different color than the look, lettering. The, the lettering I, on the jersey looks white. I can't white. really tell if it's different or not. It's hard to tell. It looks pretty clear to me. That that doesn't it look different to you. They're kind of supposed. They're kind of supposed to match the gloves, right? Yeah. <laughs> You okay did, I, did, I give you, did, I, did I give you what what I have? Yeah, Man, I need to get out of here. Big frog. You got yeah, you got I'll choked sound up like over you that. guys tomorrow in Denver. Man, I gotta get out of here. Do I need to, we need to get some Lysol going or something? Are you guys catching yeah, I've cold? Been sneezing over here. Yeah, man. Know, just, Sounds yeah. like Ferris Bueller's uh, organ. <laughs> when he was sick and he was play, playing, the, he had the organ with the sneeze and the cough buttons. Yeah. Oh man. But so the, anyway, you know, I, I like well, the jerseys. I'll tell you though, you know, it was interesting last night. I I, I watched a little bit of the game. Um, last night, Dallas started one seven and one, and they were they looked like they were a total train wreck. They have rebounded. They've won four in a row. They've got their record back to five hundred. Everybody was waiting for lights to rip them in the media. Yeah, uh, they took it to the the avalanche last night who started off like a house on fire the two weapons who are not coming back anytime soon soon miko rantanen and gabe landeskog they have they have uh, really suffered without those guys they've lost three in a row they're only three five and two in their last 10 and so it was kind of a tale of two teams going in opposite directions last night dallas came out scored two goals early in the game colorado had a nightmare start they give up. They give up a goal 19 seconds into the game, challenged it for goaltender interference, lost the challenge. Dallas goes right back on the power play and just keeps them. They didn't score, but they eventually drew another penalty or two. They scored again, and Colorado really never caught up until it was too late. Uh, and so that's the environment that Nashville goes into when they uh, when they take on the Abs tomorrow night. So. I would expect a very angry, frustrated Colorado team searching for answers. So I'm really curious as they get back home in front of their home fans what that looks like tomorrow. And, and can the Predators build, keep you know playing solid yeah. hockey away from home uh, coming off of their win in Detroit? You, Dallas, the second longest winning streak in the Central Division. Uh, don't look now, St. Louis without Tarasenko. <laughs> Five in a row. Yeah, and uh, an impressive win, 2-1. to one. Last night, you know, playing kind of the – that's the, the core of the Blues is tough, hard-nosed defense, right? That, Just not giving you anything easy. And I, I would look for them to continue that kind of identity, especially with Tarasenko out. Vancouver's been scoring a ton of goals. That's another stop on this road trip for the Predators. If you haven't looked, Vancouver has been not only winning yeah. but winning big. Second in their division right now. The Pacific. Yeah, and so St. Louis goes up there and holds them to one. That's that's impressive. The thing that separates the good teams from the great teams, and Darren and I were talking about this before you walked in earlier, is Colorado struggling without Landis Cog and, and Rantanen. But St. Louis, they've been able to keep it going without Tarasenko. Nashville was able to keep it going 
without Forsberg and Duchesne. I mean, that's where the depth really comes into play and why I think the Predators have an advantage right now of just all the, the, the talent up and down the roster that they're able to step up if somebody slides out because we all know how this works, that that's going to happen over the course of a, an 82-game season. You're going to have injuries and St. Louis, Colorado dealing with it right now, but St. Louis obviously playing well. St. Louis, and, and I think I would put Nashville in the same category. I think they've got the core yeah. players. They've got the formula that they use to win that serves them well under times of adversity. Nashville went through it last year for a month, month and a half almost with all the injuries. Didn't play great, but they hung in there. They won enough to win. Every, when everybody came back, they, they still had enough to win the Central. The Avalanche are still relatively new, right? They're young. They've had a little bit of success. They had a great playoff run kind of out of nowhere last year. They beat the number one seed. Everybody's talking about them. But they made a lot of changes in the offseason, and now they're dealing without playing with their two two of their three superstars, right? McKinnon is still a star. He's unbelievable. But you take those two guys off of that line, and now do you really have that identity? Because now you have... Kadri in there. You have Burakovsky, Donskoy. They brought in a lot of guys. So they haven't been together as long to try to fight through adversity. So that that's my theory anyway. So we'll see how they continue to manage because they're going to still be without Landeskog and Rantanen for a while. They're, both of those guys are still kind of week to week. If they could just get the news that they'll be reevaluated in five months, that would be good news <laughs> for everybody else in the division. They're kind yeah, of, but They're kind of good. Yeah. But, I mean, reevaluated in five months, that's really set St. Louis back because <laughs> they've yeah, won five in a row. You know, it's, it's, it's early. It's yeah. early not November. By the way, I was watching Sharks and Blackhawks last night. Sharks won. That's not really the story. Uh, Evander Kane is being sued by a Vegas casino. Yeah. How about this? Because he owes over $500,000. Here's the deal, Evander. This is how it works in Vegas. When you borrow money, you get credits and markers. Like you, you have to pay that back. Like that, they don't say, "Well, you're famous, so don't worry about it." Thanks for yeah, plopping down it. in our casino. He's not the first guy. This that's is done going, that. no, no, no. But that is real money. It's real. It is know, real money. I know it's chips, but it's <laughs> it's real money. Like you, when this is stemming back from the playoffs of last year. This is how long this has been going on. Vander Kane, dude, you you have a huge contract. Okay, you signed like a. What a fifty million dollar deal with? I with think it San was seven Jose. years, forty nine million. Seven something like that. for forty nine. Okay, you you got the dough. When you're in Vegas, you you can't borrow. But by the way, this is eight separate times. It's led up to five hundred thousand dollars. Like you, you owe them five hundred thousand. I don't know if you know this, but they're not going to go away. Like it's not going to be like, hey, you know what? We've been thinking about it. Eh, don't worry about it. It's, is been, he, is he been, it's been a while now. Don't worry about it. He's been trying to double up to catch up a few times and come up short. Dude, you got to pay it back, man. Do do we need to get him in touch with Dave Ramsey about you know planning out a little bit better? Uh, I could to do these things. Get him in touch with the NC Thigpen and let him know that you have to pay <laughs> what not to do. Debts. What not to do? Okay, that's how it Yancey works. Thigpen, don't be like me. Oh boy, there's been some other hockey guys I through the years know. that have had a few I, problems. I don't know, but this is what happens now that uh, Vegas is going to be prominent for. Professional sports, right? You're going to have the Raiders moving in there soon. They're in the same division and as San Jose. You're going to have the you know people funneling through that all the time with lots oh, of man. money. Guess what? You got to pay that stuff back. Just to, that's a free tip. Free tip right here on the show. 
want to talk to all the men out there. <laughs> Been telling you for years about my friends over at Cool Springs MD. And they know a lot of you have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. And Dr. Jeffrey Lodge, who is the board-certified physician over there, is front and center on that quest to helping you. His wife, Daphne Lodge, is the registered nurse, and their experienced staff want to give you men out there the treatments that are required to improve your quality of life. And I hope you want that like I do, especially as we all get older. And their services have already helped a lot of you here in the Middle Tennessee area and surrounding areas with improving your immune systems, your energy levels, and your cognitive function, and so much more. They're there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. There's no better time time to achieve that healthy lifestyle than right now. What are you waiting for? Pick up the phone and make that appointment like I have, 615-283-7291. That's 283-7291. Or you can always check out their website, coolspringsmd.com. Oh, we got you. You had to work for that one. Good call. I knew it right away. Right away. I was like, all right, Craig Smith. I did too because I did the interview. All right. You guys, I'll be impressed, Chase, if you know this one. Darren might know this one. Do you know the album? What is the name of the album of The Clash here, the Rock the Casbah? I used to have the tape. Darren, remember the days of you get 11 tapes for one penny? Uh, remember that uh, columbia yeah, yeah. i i Which did that a lot seems like a great deal on the front end it's awesome but when they send you, you the case of tape you're like, obligated oh, you're obligated and you're, they get you on the hook they pull you in that's uh, man between movies and cassettes oh man my I, parents were all over me i know i burned willie they sent us another tape i burned that thing up columbia right yeah columbia house is that what it was yeah they get you on the hook, and then you have to buy a certain amount over a period of time. But let me tell you, when you got that it, first batch, it oh, was it was awesome. the best. The it best. was like Look gold. Like that package was like you open up like oh yes, awesome. So I had this was how you doing back there? Twelve uh, I don't know cassettes what's going on here. So. so this was one of the twelve I got. Was you don't know the album? I don't know the album. Combat no. Rock. Hmm. Should I stay or should I go? Mm-hmm. Rock the Casbah. Yep. Some other ones. No, I had it. I just, you had it? Combat yeah, Rock? I was Combat it. Rock? Good stuff. Definitely. Stranger Things. If you watch Stranger Things, you know about Should I Stay or Should I Go? Well, I know that song. So that's Combat Rock. I know so the I ta- Clash. I just okay, didn't know the so name of the album. Okay, so I taught you something today, Chase. There you go. That the There's name a little, of the album is Combat Rock? little factoid for you that you can take around town today and say, did you, did you know? Thank you. Did you know? Thank you for sharing. DYK. Did you know that it took several of you to get Craig Smith? How could people not get Craig I, Smith? I He's know. been here forever. Crazy know. legs. Crazy legs. It took like, I don't the lines were blowing up. I, I saw Jason rifle through I, probably eight people. Ten? Who were they saying? Ten? Ten was Those our guys, tenth caller. Who, who, did, who were they saying instead? Who were they who, missing? What was like the majority? Joe Hansen. Joe Hansen? No. Not even no, close. No. <laughs> I like that we've made it a little bit harder, though. Yeah, yeah, got to work I mean, for it. Got to work honestly, for it. Craig Smith, that would be easy. Took ten callers. Finally, Donna in Clarksville qualified. Donna, shout out to Donna. Correctly said, Craig Smith, and now Donna is qualified for that fantastic trip. Your next chance during the three o'clock hour today. Remember, every day this week and next week, seven o'clock hour, eleven o'clock hour on our show. 3 o'clock hour in afternoons. Predators player will give you the cue to call. You just have to correctly name the player like Donna just did, and you are qualified for the trip that will give you round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, 
A pair of tickets to see a concert New Year's Eve at American Airlines Center, Leonard Skinner, and tickets to the Winter Classic, Preds and Stars. And the Stars unveiled their jerseys today. That'll be at the Cotton Bowl. That's an incredible prize, courtesy of Outback. Outback Presents. For more details, you can visit thegamenashville.com. So good job by Donna. By the way, the Bengals have announced that A.J. Green, who has been sitting on my bench this entire year, is ready to play this week. Oh, good for hey, him. Yeah. All right. The Bengals Woo. are going to rally now. The Bengals are Here back in it. Here come the Bengals. Hear They're those back. Bengals growling. Oh, wait a minute. They have the Ravens angry. <laughs> yeah, I know that. First that. game back, get the Ravens. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> The Ravens, uh, they're pretty good, huh? Well, ask the Patriots. They look pretty darn good. Hey, wasn't Sunday that I, all I could think about as I watched that game was what Trent Dilfer told us on Friday. Smaller window. You got less years to get it done. But if and, but and if you I, get a I Super thought Bowl about that with Mariota, like it, it, it was Mariota. I don't Mariota probably not quite as dynamic as Lamar Jackson running, but they could have done something more similar with Mariota and just said. Just let him run, man. Forget it. Maybe he's not going to be a great passer, but let's just set the whole thing around him running. What what might have been that way? It's well, more of what they did in in college well, with him. But, but hold on, right? But they Lamar hasn't to... been getting hurt yet. True. That's the difference. I mean, we're only in year two. Mariota was getting hurt all the time, and probably the thinking was, well, putting him in more harm's way is only going to lead to even more injuries. Now the difference is right now Lamar is. Is so far he can take it. He's he's come away. Yeah. Now will it catch up to him? I suspect so. I mean, I there's really no proof that anybody who actually survives taking all those hits. Ask Cam Newton, and he is a mammoth of a man, and he has taken a licking. And most of the time, he kept ticking, but he's not ticking anymore. No. I mean, you can tell it's had a and huge it, impact it's had on a his huge career. Huge impact on his career, and who knows if he'll ever be the same. Don't you think, too, when you watch Jackson, and I, I thought this the first time. Remember, who was it early in the season? I think it was Florida State. He just ripped them on, on a game that was kind of a spotlight game. It was the first time I really paid attention. It was early in the season where he ended up. Did he win the Heisman that year? Did he win a Heisman, Lamar Jackson, or come up just the short? He was right in there. This, well, he, he did win it. Yeah. But I think I this was the year he won it. Yeah. But the lightest feat. Like I've seen, I've seen Michael Vick. I've seen Steve McNair. I've seen a lot of really good quarterbacks who are mobile. But I, Lamar Jackson might have the lightest feet of any quarterback. Just so shifty. It looks like he's just running on a cloud when he's moving around there. And I think, unlike Mariota, he throws a little bit better on the run. See, to me, that's a that's a bit, Steve McNair was so good throwing on the run. You know, he was a he's built differently than Jackson. Like Steve McNair was big, strong, and fast. But Jackson can make you miss more. He's such he's so light on his feet and on the run he can hit the open guy. They're a really interesting team to watch now because they're they're only growing in confidence. Now you now you beat the Patriots. What kind of swagger have you got there? You got the Steelers who have worked their way back into this thing, but they're they're not as good. As they've been, they're just not. Then you've got a then you got the train wrecks of the the Browns and the Bengals. Ravens could end up with twelve, thirteen wins. Oh, I think oh, there's no doubt they're going to run away from right? that. <laughs> I mean, they, who's, who's going to stop them? Not in that division. Nobody. 
How many yards rushing does Derrick Henry have on the season? Six hundred and something, right? Yeah. What? Well, I just uh, want to I know the thought, exact number. It's, oh, okay. I thought you. I thought you had it. I thought, uh, you, were I thought you were quizzing. Six hundred and forty-four. Yeah. This is the reason okay. I'm asking. Lamar Jackson is seven yards shy of having more yards rushing than Derrick Henry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Seven yards. Wow. Arthur Smith, I hope you're so listening. He's, he's talking – we're talking about a quarterback who get a get 1,000 yards rushing. That's a very rare thing mm. in NFL history. It's happened once or twice, I think. Didn't, did Vic have 1,000 one Vic, year? I'm pretty sure Vic There was did. a guy, I think, named Bobby Douglas way back with the, with the Bears. I think he might have had 1,000 one year. They've played half of their season. He has 637 yeah, so yards he, rushing. You'd be surprised if he doesn't Derrick get Derrick Henry has 644. And Henry's not having a bad year. That just puts some perspective. No, but he's, he's he, Henry should have career high if he keeps going at this pace. Lamar Jackson is coming up on 2,000 yards passing, like I said, halfway through the season, and 636, 637 yards rushing. Mm. Can you imagine if he throws for 4,000 and rushes for 1,000? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Tim Hasselbeck to kick off the third hour of Darren Donick and Chase next.